Good morning. It's good to, boy, it's good to be here. Um, I'm, I'm so thankful that Pete finally got me up here. Um, he's, been, he's been calling me for almost 10 years, saying, come on back up. And, and uh, like I said, just being a senior pastor, um, kind of, it's, it's a big job. You know, there's lots of, lots of, you know, I've always wanted to, to give myself fully to that. And I, I'm thankful that the Lord has worked it out, so I was able to to come here and and get to know all of you. I I, I really would love to take all of you back with me. Um, this is a great community. I bet you guys feel the same way too. As you go off, you know, you live in your different places around Minneapolis and everything, and even some from New York. And you, you probably all wish you could all be together, um, but we will be. You know, we will be together one day, and, and, uh, and we can really, really look forward to that. Um, anyway, I, I've just enjoyed getting to know you. Um, as little as I have been able to, I, I've really enjoyed it. It's been fun. And I just feel like, you know, I've gotten closer to the Larsons, you know, Lynn. Where is Lynn? Yeah, it was great beating you at... Uh, catchphrase last night with all the men. It's just great. She is so competitive, you know. I'm only glad she didn't go golfing with me, because uh, she's good. <laughs> um, <clears throat> hey, I'm on Facebook. If, if you guys want to just, you know, type my name in there and find me and friend me, I, I always like having friends, <laughs> you know. And, um, but I, I would love that. I'm also on Instagram. If we can connect that way, that'd be cool. Um, but, uh, um, it's been great. And I, I feel like I've gotten closer with Pete. He let me use his, his razor this morning. It was good. It was like electric. I'm, I'm like, look, thinking he's got like the disposables, you know, and, and it's electric. It feel, yeah. Oh, that's nice. I feel good. Yeah. He was like, well, you're going to love this. I feel, I feel like our relationship, because of that, it went from here to, to here. It went deeper, you know, deeper. It's, it's good. And, um, and, and, but one thing, though, Pete, um, he, he paid me partly in euros. And I'm really not sure. What, is anybody traveling to, to, like, England or something? Oh, Brexit. No, that won't work. Uh, but, yeah, like, Huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, maybe somebody could give this to him for me. Who, who knows the French guy? Quentin, he is really, really neat. Give him those euros for me. All right, yeah. Um, he, he's a neat kid. We, we got to talk a little bit after I, I spoke with the KCs yesterday, and, and he was saying, you know, in France, it's nothing like this. He said the churches are, he said it's very bad. He goes, it's, it's down. It's, you know, there's no music, there's no life and everything. So pray for, pray for France. Pray that the Lord works through missionaries there and um, that he brings the kind of life that we get to enjoy uh, when the simple gospel is preached. And, um, you know, that's what breathes life into the music and into the prayers and into the, the coming together and uh, and I know Europe in general is is in need is in need of that. Um, so I did I did not 
prepare ahead of time for this talk. I have <clears throat> hopefully prepared while I've been here, but I, I did that purposefully because I wanted to see where the Lord was taking us this week and, and see possibly how he might like uh, to wrap things up with us. And, uh, and this morning I woke up, um, this is amazing, I stayed up till midnight the night before, almost to midnight last night, and I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to feel terrible. And I set my alarm for 6, and I woke up at 5.30, and I was, like, I was like wide awake, and I thought, maybe I can go back to sleep, but I almost sensed that God was saying, hey, let's go see the sunrise. I was like, all right. So I went down to the lake, um, sat out on, sitting on the dock of the lake. <laughs> I put, I put, um, put a chair out there and uh, was really just enjoying watching, watching the sun come up. Uh, Murray, Murray came down there. I saw him uh, sitting over there. Yeah, my man. My lake man. Yeah. Our relationship went like this. It just, it's deepened. Yeah. Yeah, all right. <laughs> um, one day, maybe. One day, we'll get closer. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, so I'm sitting out there on the dock and, and watching the sun come up, and, and I remembered one of my favorite verses, Proverbs 4.18. The, the path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter until the full light of day. Isn't that a great promise? The righteous are those whom God has made righteous. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ came into this world to impart his righteousness to us. That the moment we believe, we are beloved children of God, faultless before him. The path of the righteous, the path of those who've received Christ, the path of the children of God, our path, it, it's shining brighter till the full light of day. Paul, when he was writing to the Philippians, said, I thank my God for my partnership in the gospel with all of you from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So, so my hope is that, that today I, I just bring an encouraging word to encourage you that, that this, this is a done deal in God's eyes. He, he has claimed you, and his intent is for your light to shine brighter and brighter and brighter if you will not shrink back, as it says in Revelations. They, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink back. If you will not shrink back, you can step further and further and deeper and deeper into the light. And so I hope, I hope you'll be encouraged as you go home this week that that's what we're to do. That we're to keep looking for God's work in our lives, for what God wants to do. And I, I thought that it would be appropriate since, uh, since we started in the garden to end in the city. You know, um, I think it was Joni Mitchell sang that song that uh, I think Crosby, Stills, and Nash made famous. You know, we, we are um, stardust, we are 50, 000, 50 million carbon, and we've got to get ourselves back to the garden. Back to the garden. 
cool song. But, but you know, the Bible doesn't say, let's go back to the garden. It says, let's go to the city. God loves cities. He loves the, the place where people densely populate, where they come together, where they do life together, where family happens. He, he loves where culture and art is, is cultivated. He, he loves when his children are taking what he's, what he's given them and using it for the sake of one another and for the, for the sake of, of the whole nation and the cities. And, um, and the Bible ends in a city. There's this in- incredible vision in the book of Revelation. You know, we, we often tend to think that when we die, we'll fly away. And I love that song. I'll fly away, oh Lord, you know. Um, some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. And we think we're, we're going to go up to heaven. No, heaven's going to come down to us. The picture in the book of Revelation is that the city of Jerusalem comes down and God makes his dwelling among people permanently. And, um, and I wanted to look at two parts of Revelation. First, the, the, the reading that, um, that we read, because I believe it has the encouragement for us that, that we need. It gives, this, um, it gives some pretty fanciful uh, language. We see this great dragon. He's, he's got how many? Uh, he's got, where does it say? He's got seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his head. A lot of people say, oh, Revelation, it's so hard to understand. Some people take it very literally that there's going to be these beasts and these things happening and little hornets flying around and all that stuff. I, you know, I'm just a pastor. I don't know everything, but I, I, I've studied these things. And, um, and it seems to me the angle towards Revelation that that best fits is that Revelation is a sweeping drama of world history, of God's intent from beginning to end. And it, it tells the story of our world and of the universe and of God's intent in these dramatic and vivid terms. And so when when we see these wars and these pestilences and these judgments and and uh, people dying and all these things, what Revelation is showing us is this is the mess the world has been in since the beginning that's been going on over and over and over again. And then we see this, this beast, this serpent, and it's Satan. And he's got seven heads and ten crowns and all, all those things. And that is just a picture of the authority that Satan has as the ruler of the prince of the air. He was cast down to earth by God. And here he tried to work his ills among God's people. He tried to destroy people. And he's used his authority throughout the world to deceive and and to knock people off course. But Jesus came into the world. The dragon waited to destroy him. But Jesus was spared until the moment of the cross. And on the cross, Jesus crushed the dragon's head. It's, it's, like, um, it's like in World War II, D-Day. Um, a, a lot of historians say D-Day was the pivotal moment in World War II. For all intents and purposes, the war was won when, when the Allies' troops stormed Normandy. 
when they were successful there, it was, it was over. That was the death knell. But then there were many mopping up battles that had to happen. And in the same way, Satan is utterly, utterly, utterly defeated. But there are still many mop-up battles that need to happen until, until a victory day and until the day when we see our Lord. And so it, it says this, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. It seems to me that if our goal is love, right? That's our goal. And life is our problem. That the, the way to overcome, the Lord says, is through these two strategies. The blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. The blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. That, that like you were saying, that, that we have Jesus. That ultimately, that's all we have to hold on to. Is Jesus' blood. It's not our accomplishments. It's not our abilities. It's not our intellect. It's not our strength. But it's the fact that he loved us so much that he died for us. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Jesus laid his life down for us. And that's the way we overcome. It's simply by holding on to that the rest of our lives. And then it says that we overcome by the word of our testimony. You know, every single one of you have a testimony. It means you have a story. A lot of people say, I don't have a dramatic story. But you do. Your story might be that you had loving parents who shared the gospel with you. Grandmothers who prayed for you, and you've been saved sorrow upon sorrow because you had a godly heritage, that's a great and powerful testimony. Satan doesn't want you to share it. He doesn't want you to open up your home to others so that they might receive the, the light of your testimony. He doesn't want that but because he, he knows he will be defeated by that. He'll lose battle after battle after battle as you share your testimony. Or your testimony may be that life has been hard, that you've been hurt, deeply wounded, that you've gone down wrong paths and wrong roads, and you've given yourself to the wrong people and the wrong things. But Jesus came in. That's your testimony. I'll never forget, um, I had, uh, as a kid, my dad had been, he'd been my hero. And I, I watched as he came back from Vietnam, um, how he was full of confusion and anger and, and rage that often kind of burst out on the family. I watched as he abused alcohol and as he 
as he would get depressed. And, um, and still he was my hero. He was my hero. And then, um, and then one day I'd come home and I was working on some test that I was going to be taking and I was trying to study for it. I was using a certain method and my dad asked, what, what you doing? And I told him and, and so he asked me a few questions and I tried to answer them and I wasn't getting them right and everything. And, and so he started telling me about a method that I should try. And I'm like, no, 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 dad, I've got, I've got my method, you know, and it's, it's, it's going to work. And no, no, you need to try. And before I knew, I, I don't even know what happened. The next thing I knew, he was up in my face. He knocked me down to the ground. He was standing over me and I was about to get up and he was like, go on, go on, just get up, get up. And then I kind of got up real slowly, and I went to my room. And a few minutes later, he came to my room. And he said, I'm sorry. He said, I don't, I don't know what's wrong. I don't, I don't know what's wrong with me. I think I'm losing my mind. And he left my room, and I just started crying. And I knew he couldn't be my hero anymore. And I felt lost. So I, I thought, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make my own life. I, I went to acting school, and, and I thought, the thing I need more than anything is just to be respected by my acting peers to have a good career and, um, and to find some wonderful woman to, to marry. And that would, that would be it. That would be, that would be life. But, you know, as I kind of went through the drama department, it was a very cynical place. And I saw people who had what I thought I wanted, you know, that they were the best actors and everything, the juniors and seniors. And then I heard that Laurence Olivier in an interview was asked what he thought of all of his accomplishments, and he said, they're empty. It's meaningless. And I thought, what in the world? And I wasn't doing too well with the ladies either, you know. <laughs> and, um, and I was so like, where is life? Where is life? And then I went home for, I think it was like Thanksgiving break. And there was something different about my dad. I was like, what? And he goes, you know, son, you, you ought to read the Bible. I thought, what? My dad talking about reading the Bible? I mean, we had stopped going to church a long time ago. He said, you ought to read the Bible. I was like, okay. I, I met up with uh, my wife, who was, um, uh, I, I wasn't even dating at the time, but we had, we kind of, we had, we were planning a, a first date, and we went on this first date, and, uh, and she told me about Christ, and she said, you know, you ought to, you ought to read the Bible, and I was like, wow, this is amazing, and I figured it was amazing in the drama department how Often God was spoken of, either negatively or uh, Shakespeare would quote scripture or whatever it might be. It seemed like God was always coming up. So I thought, okay, I, I guess I need to re read the Bible. 
So I started, I started reading it. And I was dating Susan long distance. And, um, and she said, how's that going? And I thought, well, Jesus seems really cool. Like, but I don't, I don't get everything that he says. Like, like he says, love your enemies. I'm like, how do you, how do you do that? Like, I thought about people that I just didn't consider enemies, but I didn't like, and I couldn't imagine loving them. And then I'd go visit a church, and the sermon would be on how to love your enemies. I was like, whoa. And so I'm talking to Susan one day, and I said, I still don't quite understand everything Jesus said. She said, you ought to, you ought to be in a one-on-one Bible study with somebody, you know, somebody who's a Christian that can explain it to you. I thought, okay, that's cool. Well, later week, I, I go into the cafeteria, and I'm getting my dessert, or actually, I'm working in the cafeteria. I, that was my work-study job, and this girl comes up, and she's getting her dessert. And, um, and I'd seen her on campus, and anytime I'd see her, she'd smile at me, you know, and she'd say hi, and I'd say hi, and I thought, oh, she's nice, you know? And um, so she comes up to get, to get the dessert, and I'm putting the desserts out, and I said, hey, how's it going? And she goes, great. I said, really? It's exam time. Like, people are going nuts around here. Like, and I said, what makes you so happy all the time? And she goes, try God. She takes her dessert, and she walks away. I was like, so, so I go out, and I find her. I say, do, do, you, like, do you go to church? And I'm sure she's going to think that I'm hitting on her. And she goes, yeah. And I was like, could I, could I go with you? This Sunday? And she's like, yeah, sure. And I was like, oh, great. So we go to church, and I'm blown away by this church. It's like people are raising their hands to God. They're singing with all their hearts. When church is over, they, they don't leave. They stick around. They're talking with each other. I'm like, wow, this is, this is cool. This is not the experience I had as a kid. And um. So she says, would you like to come back tonight for our, our college ministry? I was like, sure. And so I come back, and, um, and it's the same experience. They're, they're worshiping the Lord. They love each other and everything. And I'm like, this is cool. And at the end of it, I hadn't said anything to anybody. This guy comes up to me. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry just gets to me because I'll tell you in a moment. He comes up to me and he says, you're going to think this is weird, but I feel like God is telling me to have a one-on-one -on -one Bible study with you. <laughs> so we go a couple nights later and, and it's about being born again and all that stuff. And he's, he's going through the questions and like, I'm like, I'm ready. We don't even get halfway through. I'm like, okay, I want this. And he's like, what? I said, to be born again. And he's like, oh. <laughs> and I said, what do we do? And he goes, I guess we pray. And I was like, all right. And so he leads me in just a simple prayer of turning my life over to Christ. And the Spirit of God comes in. And I was head over heels. The reason I kind of cried is because he's not walking with Christ now. He's an atheist now. And, uh, and God used him to bring me life. 
So I, I'm, still, I'm still praying for him. But that's my story. What's yours? Jesus will use your story to touch people's lives. Even if it doesn't seem as like dramatic as that, it, it is. It really is. He loves you. He's given you gifts. He's, he's given you family. He's given you a community. He's given you your churches. You, you have a story. And what he wants us to do is, is go out into the world and live it and tell it and invite others into it. So that love is what? Our goal? You say that love is our goal? Let's say it together. Love is our goal. But guess what? Life is not our problem. God's got it. Life is not our problem. The moment you turned your life over to the Lord, he says, I've got this. I will carry it on to completion in you until the day of Christ Jesus. Your path will be like the first gleam of dawn shining ever brighter until the full light of day. Do you know how you can know? We go into Revelation 22. This is so awesome in light of Cain and Abel. We go to Revelation 22. And we see the city. It's come down. It's, it's established. And then it says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. That's that tree. It was in the garden next to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God had banished Adam and Eve and said, I don't want them to eat of the tree of life lest they take it and live forever. He didn't want them to remain in that fallen state unto eternity. So he said, I'm going to defer your eating of the tree of life until I can work redemption in you. And then you can eat its fruit. And it will heal you. It will change you. And do you know what that tree of life is? It's the cross. It literally uses this word, this Greek word, not the word, I think it's like dendron or dendron or something, which is the normal word for tree. It uses the word zulon, which is the word that's used of the cross, of dead wood, the tree of life arises out of dead wood and it brings life to us. That's how we can know for sure that God loves us. That's how we can know for sure who he is and how good he is and what his character is like. That's how we can know that we can fully lean our weight on him. That's how we can know that he will accept the offering of our life. 
and that we will shine until the full light of day. When I go home, I get to see my wife. Marriage is hard, right? Yeah, sometimes. But it is good. It is good, too. We are walking this life together. And she's been praying for me all week long. Every talk, she's been sending me encouragements. And she's praying for you. And uh, I can't remember if I told you this, but... Um, you know, I told you she's an introvert, and that's one of the reasons she's not at something like this. But she, and, and I've kind of joked with her about how Pete and Lynn have said, are you really married? Do you really have a wife? They've never met her. They've never met, they've never met Susan. But, um, yeah, I do. And she said, tell them I'll, I'll see them in heaven. And I, I can't wait for you to meet her there. You know, it's, it's going to be good. She'll be able to have one-on-one conversations with you. And you'll have all the time in the world. It'll be great. Huh? Well, if you come to South Carolina, you'll have gone too far. I'm in North Carolina. <laughs> yeah, if, if so, please drop by. Again, Church of the Apostles, that's the name of my church. You can look it up on a website and... Uh, and uh, yeah, I would love for y'all to visit if you're ever down there, y'all. Um, but it's good news. It, it, is, it has been great being with you. I, I'm going to ask Rich to come up because we're going we're gonna to sing a song of this kingdom that we're, that we're now experiencing, that is now among us, but that we're going to experience to the full when the new Jerusalem comes down. And... Um, and I love in the book of Revelation that the primary name for Jesus in the book of Revelation is the Lamb. That we have uh, the Lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world. And that simply means that it has always been part of God's plan to give His Son. And it was always part of Jesus' plan to willingly go for you and me that He might be our firstborn big brother. So he will lead us into that sunshine and into that light. So can I pray for you? Heavenly Father, that you would send your church out today with encouragement. That you would bless them. That you would give them intimacy with the blood of the Lamb. that you would give them confidence in their testimony of what you have done in their life, what you are doing in their life, and what you will do. And they would overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they would go from strength to strength, Lord, through the valleys, up the mountains, in the darkness, and in the twists and the corners, knowing that the sun is rising, the sun is shining, and their own light is shining and reflecting it as well. And Lord, we look forward to that day when we all stand around your throne in glory.
where we sing songs and we're able to jump as high as these kids jump when they're with us. We're able to run and to dance and to sing and to hug and to know and be known. We give you all the praise and the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.